Amen. Well, I'm glad to uh, be back here in person and preaching, uh, and we're coming to what I think is the best part of Ecclesiastes. So we've been in Ecclesiastes, for those who are part of First Baptist, since uh, almost the beginning, actually the beginning of this year. We took a long break from it in the spring and over the summer and then returned to it. And then last week took a break because we had Teen Challenge Men's Choir who did an outstanding job, right? They were great last week. Their testimonies, their music was was excellent. But now we come to the last chapter. It's going to take us two weeks, I think, to cover it. But we're going to begin the last chapter, which is the best part. And I have been building up this last section of Ecclesiastes for a long time. And now we're going to bring it to... Conclusion. Let's see if it lives up to what I've built it up to. Uh, certainly, um, some his, uh, novelists over time have thought so. This first quote is from Thomas Wolfe, who said, Of all, I think we'll have it on the screen, of all that I have seen or learned, that book seems to me the noblest, the wisest, the most powerful expression of man's life upon this earth, and also earth's highest flower of poetry, eloquence, and truth. I am not given to dogmatic judgments in the matter of literary creation. But if I had to make one, I I could say that Ecclesiastes is the greatest single piece of writing I have ever known. And the wisdom expressed in it, the most lasting and profound. Another one, Herman Melville, who wrote Moby Dick, said, The truest of all men was the man of sorrows, Jesus In the truest of all books is Solomon's, and Ecclesiastes is the fine hammered steel of woe. So, all right, hopefully I've built it up enough, right? Hopefully this is going to deliver. But Ecclesiastes talks about life under the sun, that under the sun, outside of heaven, outside of God, uh, that really it's vanity. It's quickly passing. It has no real lasting meaning. And some of you guys have expressed to me that you struggled through this book. It's not easy to hear week after week after week how vain life is without God. Um, But here, as I mentioned, he writes this as an apologetic. He writes it as a defense of God. Not fully the Christian faith, because Jesus hadn't come yet, but a defense of God. And here in the last chapter, he comes to his point. Now, here's the interesting thing. 2020. Uh, We started this book in January. It was wisdom for the new year kind of thing. Um, in, in preparation for what God was going to do over this year uh, under, in, under his sovereignty. No idea, of course, what was coming. I was only in the mind of God. But it was good preparation, I think, for us to be reminded of how quick and fading life under the sun is and where our hope really needs to be, which is above the sun in the Lord. And now we are still in the midst of a pandemic and we're going to continue to finish up the book of Ecclesiastes here. What's the point of all this? What's the point? That life, life under the sun, as it is, is brief. So remember God. Remember God. Remember your creator. Look with me at Ecclesiastes 12. We're going to cover 1 through 8. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. And the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent 
and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors and the streets are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets, before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. This is the word of the Lord. I have an outline to break this down, but first remember your creator as young as you can. And then the middle section, that lengthier middle section, remember your creator as you consider old age. We'll cover that and talk about what he's getting at there. And then finally, remember your creator because all is vanity. But first, remember your creator as young as you can. He starts off by making his overall point here. Remember, remember, that. let come to your mind your creator. And he calls God creator. Uh, That's a broad, general term for who God is. It encompasses all people, and actually beyond all people, all things that exist in this universe. God made them, and God made us, which means we have purpose. We have meaning. We have value. There's a reason why God made us. There's a reason why we exist under the heaven. It isn't all vanity, ultimately, in the end, because God has put us here for a reason. And he tells them, in the days of your youth, to remember God. those who may remember us two weeks ago now, we talked about how he said, enjoy your youth. Enjoy it. In chapter 11. So enjoy your youth, yes, but. <laughs> but, as he says here, remember. Uh, remember your creator. Before the evil days come, he's referring there to old age, the bad days, the days of aches and pains. And we'll talk about uh, that more in the next section. He goes into detail what he's getting at. And before you say, I have no pleasure. In other words, you're at the end and you say, I think life has run its course. I'm ready for it to be over. I'm running the last lap. Before then, remember your creator. Before we move on, let's look back briefly at other ways you can sort of look at life under the sun, according to Ecclesiastes. You can look at it as pure naturalism. There's nothing more than what you see with your eyes or feel with your hands or smell or touch or whatever. Um, Just look at the cycles of life, right? Things come and they go and they come again. Talked about that in the beginning. And there's time. There's a time for everything. There's there's birth, there's death. It just repeats itself over and over and over. That's one way to look at the world and it's just ultimately despair. You live, you die. Something else will live and die and it'll just continue on and on forever. That's one way. The other way was hedonism. He talked about that. You live for pleasure. And, of course, Solomon, the teacher, had the ability to live for pleasure like very few people have ever lived in terms of his resources. Uh, He talks about drunkenness. He talks about comedy, laughter. He talks about having a harem. And he says, ultimately, all of these things leave us empty. They don't really deliver. He talked about workaholism. You know, make, make your purpose of life your job. And he says, yes, that will bring some happiness, actually. But then what? First of all, you're risking everything because it all, could all go wrong. And then when you die, you're, you're leaving it to whom? Who knows who takes all 
that you worked for your entire life and wastes it and spends it on something silly. So what is he saying here coming to the end? Now what? Look to God above the sun. Look to your creator. And why would you be surprised if life without your creator doesn't work? I mean, he's the one who made you for a purpose. And if you don't live in that purpose, don't expect life to be fulfilling and joyful. It'll be lacking because that's why you were put here. Remember God, he says here, while you are young. Uh, You know, statistically speaking, the younger a person is, the more likely they are to receive Christ. I know we don't live in the world of statistics, but far more people become a turn in faith to the Lord when they're younger. The older you get, the less percentage of people will actually come to faith in Christ. By the way, that's one of the things I love about our church, First Baptist. Um, my first baptism here was of a 69-year-old man, and we've baptized 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds here as a church, and so who have come to faith for the first time, which is just a glorious work of God. But a lot of us have this mentality, right? I, I, I'll eventually... I'll eventually get serious about God. I'll eventually start thinking about going back to church. Uh, I'll, I'll eventually, you know, when I'm older and I've had my fun and done whatever, then I'll get serious about my faith. But not now. <laughs> He's saying, no. Before those days, turn to remember your creator. And some of you guys are saying, well, I mean, I'm not young anymore. What do I have to do? Maybe you're watching online and you're someone who doesn't yet know the Lord and you're questioning your faith. Well, then do it now. (laughs) Do it now. Do it as young as you can. Remember God stat, right? ASAP, as soon as possible. I like what um, uh, D.L. Moody said. Uh, Somebody came up to D.L. Moody at a certain meeting, and they said, two and a half people were converted to Christ. (laughs) He said, what's a half person? He said, a kid. And he said, no, no, you got it exactly backwards. The child has his entire life to now live for Christ. It's the adult who's the half. Uh, Similarly, John Piper tells the story about a church that prayed for a man for decades. He was hard and resistant. This is in the book, Don't Waste Your Life. But this time, for some reason, one particular meeting, he showed up when uh, John Piper's father was preaching. His father was an evangelist. At the end of the service, during a hymn, to everyone's amazement, he came and he took my father's hand. They sat down together on the front pew of the church as the people were dismissed. God opened his heart to the gospel of Christ and he was saved from his sins and given eternal life. But that did not stop him from sobbing and saying as the tears ran down his face, I've wasted it, I've wasted it. Meaning wasted his life, waiting to the very end to turn in faith to the Lord. The preacher is saying here, the author of Ecclesiastes, I've shown you, I've shown you all the different ways you can try to live under the sun. There is no other way. It's all vain. Go to God. Go to your creator now. Which brings him to the next section. Remember your creator as you consider old age. This is a beautiful piece right here. And we'll walk through it. Remember your creator as you consider old age. I wonder if the teacher, Solomon, perhaps, is an old man when he writes this. Because of the way he describes it here. He gives us this stunning picture Um, that at first glance looks like a dying civilization. A town that has has its best days behind them, right? That's what it looks like. Until you realize what he's doing, he's actually giving you a picture of the individual. 
of the, the human body, uh, of our lives. Let me, let me walk you through this section together and we'll have it on the screen here. Uh, he says here, uh, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. So life has lost its beauty. It's lost its art. It's, it's no longer as gripping as it once was. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, almost certainly reference to the hands, the arms, and the strong men are bent, the legs, and the grinders cease, teeth, right? When you get older, you start losing your teeth because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. Your eyesight is starting to, be, to fade, and the doors in the street are shut. You're hearing the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises at the sound of a bird. So that sort of anxiety about life. And all the daughters of song are brought low, that raspy voice, no longer able to sing like you once were. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors in the way. Again, that fear in old age, that trepidation, that anxiety about life. The almond tree blossoms. I look around and I see a lot of blossomed almond trees in our sanctuary right now. The hair turns gray. The grasshopper drags itself along, slowly walking, carefully not to fall. And desire fails, probably referring to sexual desire, because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. Funerals start to increase. Your friends start to pass away. For the silver cord is snapped and the golden bowl is broken and the pitcher is shattered at the fountain of the wheel broken at the cistern. Your body begins to break down, your neck, your back. If you've ever been just visiting someone in a hospice care, you know what this looks like. And the dust returns to the earth, a reference clearly to Genesis chapter 3, for dust you are and to dust you will return. And he ends by saying, in the spirit. Something he hasn't mentioned barely at all through this entire book. And the spirit returns to God. We are more than that physical body that breaks down over time. Aging is part of life though, right? We know that. We try to ignore it. You know, we, we want to pretend like we're not getting old, stay in as good shape as we can for as long as we can. That's good. Um, but we want to, in a sense, put the, our fingers in our ears when it comes to hearing about the fact that we're going to get old <laughs> and we're going to break down and eventually, yes, we're going to die. That's why we make cemeteries look like gardens, right? So they look beautiful. We don't have to think about dark things. We praise youth. But what Ecclesiastes is saying is in the end... Age wins. You won't defeat it. You won't beat it. Uh, I'm 42, which for some of you guys say, Pastor Rick, you're just a spring chicken, right? I mean, 42 is not old at all. Um, But from my perspective, uh, first of all, my kids are growing up and getting ready to move out and going to college. Um, I'm feeling those aches and pains. (laughs) Uh, You know, I get out of bed and, and... this stuff snapping in my ankle. I don't even know what it is, right? Your 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 little aches and pains. And honestly, having COVID over the summer in Vermont um, has made me consider life and really how brief it can be. Glad to have the antibodies in me right now. Um, I know that doesn't make me fully immune because we have some doctors of pharmacology who would who would chastise me afterwards if I said I'm fully immune now. From COVID. It's not how it works, right? But at least it gives me some sense of, of safety for the time being. 
What's he saying? Prepare for it. Have those conversations. Reconcile with those people that you are right now needing to reconcile with. Make that phone call. Remember your creator because you will meet him soon. Now understand, Ecclesiastes, the writer of Ecclesiastes, the author, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he did not yet have the entire picture. He didn't have Jesus Christ yet. (laughs) He didn't know that death will be defeated. We know more than the preacher knew. We know what he didn't know, and that is that God would send his son, Jesus, who would die in our place, who would rise from the dead, and that those through faith in him would be united with him for all eternity. And that's where our hope is. So we have the bigger, fuller picture even than Ecclesiastes. Before we hit that last section, though, uh, just a little encouragement to age. Age well. Age well. All right? Don't hide from death, first of all. It's coming. Be ready for it. I read a great book by a man named Atul Awandi called Being Mortal. Not a Christian believer, as far as I understand it, but really an excellent book talking about death with dignity. Understanding that death is part of life. We don't have to act like it isn't, and honestly, we can do more damage by pretending like it's not coming. Don't be bitter. Some people, when they grow old, they become bitter. The world is so bad. It's going to hell in a handbasket. They become angry, they become mean. Get off my lawn, right? You know, <laughs> that mentality. Grow sweetly and nicely. And don't try to hang on to a bygone time. Don't try to keep a church back in its ministry. And I'm not speaking of anything going on here. Actually, I feel like our church is, has adjusted well to realizing life goes on. We're moving forward. But just as a word of encouragement, here's a, a quote from Tom Rainer in his book, Autopsy of a Deceased Church. This is what happens so often to churches as a warning. The most pervasive and common thread of our autopsies, when you sort of evaluate why a church died. Our autopsies was that the deceased churches lived for a long time with the past as hero. They held on more tightly with each progressive year. They often clung to things of the past with desperation and fear. And when any internal or external force tried to change the past, they responded with anger and resolution. We will die before we change. That's a certain death sentence for a church that wants to live in its past rather than in the present and looking towards the future. And finally, friends, of this section, be filled with hope. Be filled with hope. We have Jesus. We have the whole picture. How would the the preacher's attitude and perspective have changed if he knew that God's Son was coming to save us? That the Savior would come into our world and redeem us? Our eternal home is glorious, friends. There's no reason for bitterness or anger. There is only room for joy, knowing what Christ has accomplished for us. So that brings us to verse 8, the final verse of this section. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. The conclusion of this section. Remember that the word vanity doesn't mean what we probably think it means or what it sounds at first hearing. The word hevel in Hebrew, it means a vapor, a mist. You know, like in the morning, you get up and the, there's a mist over the ground, right? That's what it is. It, it, by, the, by what, 10, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, it's gone already. 
It's all temporary. That's his point. It, it's not going to last beyond the grave. It's a momentary preface to eternity, I think the Puritan Thomas Boston said. Uh, again, Ecclesiastes didn't have the whole story. God wasn't done. We turn to the Lord Jesus who set before us a Savior. We don't have to say it's all vain, it's all temporary, because we have the hope of eternal life. But look at this. Vanity is not bad. That's not what he's saying. It's all bad. That's what you're reading. Uh, he's not, uh, the world isn't bad. It, it, it's just temporary. It changes our perspective to remember everything we see around us, and especially our own lives, are temporary. Actually, the limited quantity of it increases its value, right? There's only so much life to us, so let's use it very, very well. Let's take care of it. Let's, let's use the time well. Let's enjoy it even, he's saying. But just know it's not going to last. I would say the same is true during this season here, to, to love our country, that's great. Be citizens of this world as well as citizens of, in heaven. Vote. Recycle. <laughs> nope. Hope the economy does better. Just know this, that you and I are mortal and it's not going to last. Again, I, I've said this before, but it bears reminding, I think this pandemic, it, with all of its evil, is a reminder to us of this very point, that we are mortal by the way, history is littered with pandemics. We're not alone in this. Uh, I wonder, friends, if, if in some ways the, the fact that we're so lax sometimes, or some are, when it comes to this, is this sort of feeling, this delusion of invincibility. As if we can't, we can't die from any pandemic. It doesn't affect us as if we're different. Truth of the matter is, just since Christ has been a number, here are the most deadly, the Antonine Plague in 165 AD killed 5 million people. The plague of Justinian in 541 AD killed 25 million people. The most deadly plague of all time in pandemic, the Black Death in 1346, killed as much as 100 million people. The Spanish flu in 1918 killed as many as 50 million people. As it is COVID-19, it's approaching 40 million cases worldwide and over a million deaths so far. My point is not to scare you. My point is what a reminder to us again that this life is Hevel. It's all temporary. So what? Remember your Creator. Turn away from sin. Repent of it. If there's some obvious sin in your life, do it now. Sin is destructive, it leads nowhere good. It's actually a better life to turn away from your sin, even in this short world. Pray, worship, read your Bible. <laughs> Time is short. Grow in your love for God. Grow in your relationship with Him. Be connected and part of a local church. Uh, eternity is a community of believers in worship forever. So if you don't like it down here, I'm not sure you're going to like heaven very much, right? I like uh, J.C. Ryle, who's a theologian in the past. He said, um, for those who don't like prayer meetings, heaven is just one long eternal prayer meeting. So <laughs> if you don't like prayer, then you're not going to like heaven, right? That's ultimately what it is. It's God's people in worship together forever. And certainly, friends, per- persevere through the ups and downs. Life, life has its ups and it has its downs, and we've seen a lot of downs this year. 
But those downs are not worth comparing to what is to come for those who know and love God. Be filled with hope. Remember your creator, your savior. Do it as young as possible, which means today, if you don't know the Lord yet. Uh, Do it as you consider old age. We're not going to last forever. Do it because all is vanity, meaning it's all temporary. It won't last. Many faithful pastors have stood in this pulpit. Well, they stood in the pulpit, the big wooden pulpit that was up there, but you know what I mean. Have stood where I'm standing right now. Hezekiah Smith, the founding pastor, A.H. Strong, the great theologian, C.C. Meaden, whom some of you guys knew, I don't, didn't know, but I hear all about. Picture. Many faithful Christians have sat in, the, in your pews. Many who sat here before they headed to the mission field, like Charlotte White, first female single missionary. Many have sat here before heading to war and finding their end. Many blue-collar, many white-collar folks, many moms and many dads. And where are they now? They are in the same place that you and I will be. They are in their eternal home with the Lord Jesus. May we remember our Creator and our Savior. Pray with me. Gracious God, thank you so much, Father, for the reminder of your word that our hope is full. Our hope is solid and real. And our hope transcends a world that is all temporary as it's placed in an eternal God, our creator. Lord, we rejoice together in your son, the Lord Jesus, who is the Savior. We rejoice in knowing that the way, the truth, and the life has come to us, and we've put our hope in him. We don't have all the answers, Lord. There's so much we don't know about this world and this life and about eternity and about God. But we know one thing. I was blind, and now I see. I was lost, and now I'm found. That Christ is a sufficient Savior. That yes, I am a great sinner but that he is a greater savior. And we put our trust and our hope in him as we await eternity.